On the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Peter Simon and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple sent out and went towards the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in, the, in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. The word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the risen Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. And let us pray. Holy Spirit, open our ears and our eyes to recognize Jesus. Open our hearts to trust in his promise and open our mouths to share that word with others. Amen. If you've been following along with us through Holy Week, either in person or by listening to our sermons online, then you know that we have been looking at the week of Jesus' passion through the lens of Jesus Christ as King. Let me just recap it a bit for you. Last Sunday on Palm Sunday, we celebrated Jesus as a lowly king, noticing that even though the crowds welcomed Jesus in the hope that he would drive out the Roman occupation, Jesus insists that his actions, and by his actions, that he is not a king of military power, but a humble and lowly king of peace. Then on Maundy Thursday, we encountered Jesus as our loving king who stoops before his disciples to wash their feet, and who today feeds us with his body and blood in the meal of communion. And he does all of this out of love. On Good Friday, we followed Jesus as he was proclaimed king by Pilate, the Roman governor, 
And then we mourned our rejection of this king as he made his way to the cross for us. And then last night on Easter Vigil, we watched and told the ancient stories of God's deliverance as we celebrated our king's victory over the powers of this world which seek to master us, the powers of sin and death and hell. It's been a full week, though it begs the question, what's left for today? I mean, if Jesus has already won his victory over sin by his death on the cross, and if, as all four Gospels indicate, his resurrection already took place before the sun rose on that Sunday morning, then why do we gather this morning? I mean, after all, the Gospels seem to spend much more time telling us about Jesus' crucifixion and what leads up to it than they do about what happens afterwards. For example, in John's gospel, where we've been for the last few months, there are 25 verses dedicated to the 24 hours after Jesus' resurrection, Easter Sunday. But for the 24 hours before his crucifixion, uh, before his burial, what we celebrate as Maundy Thursday and Good Friday, there are 237 verses dedicated, almost 10 times as many. So why Easter? Why is today such a big day? Well, it's because today our king is revealed. While the hard work of salvation is completed before our reading even starts, it's not until daybreak on that first Easter Sunday that the good news of salvation is revealed to his followers. Though the world has already been irrevocably changed, though sin and death no longer have the last word, though the hope of eternal life with God has already been accomplished, the followers of Jesus still need to hear about it. Well, our reading today gives us an account of how Jesus' resurrection is slowly revealed, bit by bit, to the disciples, starting with Mary Magdalene. She's the first to notice that something has happened, coming to the tomb before the sun has even fully risen and seeing that the stone has already been rolled away. Naturally, she assumes something bad has happened. She runs and she finds two of Jesus' disciples and tells them that the authorities have taken away his body. Alarmed, they run to the tomb and go in, but they find it uh, almost completely empty except for the cloths in which his body was wrapped. They're still in the tomb, and they're not strewn about, but rather they're rolled up and placed where Jesus' body had been laying. Puzzled, they return to their homes. Mary, now, she's still there at the tomb, and she's weeping, for it seems that even the body of her Lord has been taken from her. Well, finally, she brings herself to look into the tomb on her own. And shockingly, it is no longer empty, but there are two angels sitting there where Jesus' body had been, although somehow this doesn't faze her at all, and even when they address her and they ask why she is weeping, she still assumes the worst. They have taken away my Lord, she says, and I don't know where they have laid him. Then she turns around and she sees Jesus himself standing there, and he asks her the same question, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Somehow, she still doesn't realize what's going on. Now, what's happening here? 
I mean, how can it be that these disciples, having been with Jesus day in and day out, having heard him teach that he must die and be raised, and having witnessed firsthand Jesus' power over death and the raising of Lazarus, among others, how is it that they still don't understand? Especially Mary, who at this moment is speaking with her resurrected Lord. How is it that she still assumes the worst when the truth is literally standing right in front of her? Well, I could ask the same thing of us, for our situation really isn't that much different than Mary's. Maybe you've struggled with this yourself. Maybe you've struggled to believe that any of this is real. Struggled to believe that something so amazing as God the Father raising Jesus from the dead could ever really have happened. Certainly I have. Maybe despite hearing this story over and over again from multiple people in multiple ways, the truth of it seems simply too radical to grasp. Too contrary to our everyday experience to trust. Or perhaps it's not that you struggle to believe that it happened, but rather that it could possibly have happened for you. Perhaps the difficulty for you is not believing that Jesus could have been raised, but trusting that through his death and resurrection, God was saving you. Just as Mary could not yet believe that death no longer had the last word, so we struggle to trust that our life and salvation have already been given to us in Christ. And so Jesus, finally, knowing that evidence alone is not enough, stands before Mary and calls her by name. And at the sound of his voice, the veil which covered her heart is removed, and her eyes are opened, and she sees the world as it truly is. No longer is it true that death has the last word. No longer is our best hope found in some shadowy afterlife, for here she is named by the one who is the resurrection and the life. And no longer need she mourn, for Jesus, her risen King, is revealed before her. And so she becomes the first preacher of the resurrected Jesus, sent to go and bear witness, to share with the other disciples that Jesus Christ is risen for them. And now this morning, Jesus Christ stands here in our presence. Do you not perceive him? For he is here, risen from the dead, And he is calling to you, for he knows your name. And though it seems too good to be true, and though death and evil seem to reign supreme, today in your presence, Jesus Christ has come, speaking to you in his word, giving himself to you in the bread and in the wine, making you the promise that brings eternal life. Your death is defeated. Your sin is is forgiven. Jesus Christ is risen, and he has done this for you. Amen.